look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How are you doing? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? Not bad. What a what a great turn in the, the temperature. Yeah, well, it looks like we got a bit of summer. Yeah. Right? Let's hope it sticks around now. Yeah. Just for six months. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. a bit greedy, but uh, that's wow. my fantasy. Get your own. <laughs> okay. We're going to get some <laughs> tips and tricks for uh, for summer summer travel plans. A lot of people do some travel in the summer, and we're going to yep. have a, uh, Randy Sharman, a terrific, uh, I mean, the host of a terrific travel show, The Informed Traveler on... on um, 770 uh, here? Yeah, on 770. He's going to join us today and talk about some of the key places that may be not on your radar that you should uh, you should check out. Yeah, and it's taking care of your aging parents conflicting with your career or retirement. We're going to chat about finding ways to balance mm. the two because this is a growing, growing concern. Oh, it's a big problem. The federal government here in Canada has acknowledged that with uh, with the tax code and so forth. And so um, uh, we need to have a, a discussion because it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to grow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, let's let's talk about the continue the continued storm, tweet storms. Uh, let's talk about the markets, but uh, we can't talk about the markets without the conflicting information that changes every day and the markets reacting to it. Yeah, and so... Um, let's talk about what's really happening here. We're seeing a lot of reaction to tweets. We are seeing a lost optimism of a trade deal. Um, we're, we're getting more and more people saying this is not going to happen. We're getting more and more people saying, um, it's not going to be as good as we thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's the reaction happening in the markets. And we saw a lot of fear kicking because we saw people getting out of the stock market, buying bonds, Mm -hmm. um, and gold did not take off. It didn't. It so didn't. I think when people start looking at gold as a hedge or an alternative investment to offset volatility. Or may, a, st- yeah. a store of real value, right? I mean, that's historically what it's been. I mean, you can certainly argue against gold on, on interest rates, right? Because there's a carrying cost on a commodity that you don't have. It's interesting to watch gold, but it hasn't been that harbinger of doom trade. Correct. That uh, we have seen it. Uh, react to in the past. Or maybe gold has it right. Maybe. And that's what the uh, interesting part of it. That's one of these markets has got it right. Right. Okay. Is it the stock market? Is it the bond market? <laughs> Is it gold? Is right. it, you know, like yeah. one of them got it right. <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. We don't know which one yeah. yet. We'll okay. find out. I like this line y- of thinking. About yeah. a year after it's already done, we'll right. figure it out. Right. Right. Um, hey, hey, but let's, let's attack that point. Let's attack that point. Okay. Because you have giant markets. There's lots of gold in the world. Like that's a huge market. The bond market is trillions and trillions of dollars. The stock market is trillions of dollars. Not one's got it. We we know one of them has got it right. Maybe not all of them. Probably not all of them. Probably not all of them. Right. But you've got participants in each of these. Correct. All right. So how do you plan for that? <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do as an investor? Yeah, and I think when you look at some of these issues, like a tariff and trade issues and so forth, um, it's it's very challenging. Yeah. And, and I'll go with you know some of the people we've met over the last week that are are not clients of ours. They just wanted second opinions. People have sent us their their uh, their statements of their investments to us to give it to say, hey, what do you think? Yep. Um, it surprises me still to this day how equity or stock focused individuals are that they don't look at other asset classes that can either mitigate risk or protect them or make money. 
God forbid they want to make money somewhere else outside of the stock market, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's and, and in this city, in Calgary, I hear two types of investments, and you, maybe you see something different. I see stocks and real estate. And that's mm. it. Yep. Well, cash. I haven't seen too many people this week really? uh, that have sent me their statements or have asked for an opinion that had okay. had had a, a large portion. I'm saying greater than ten percent of their portfolio Fair. in cash. Yeah. Okay, me neither. Right, and so they're happy with this recovery from last year, um, but they're still focused on the stock market. And then when you get a three four percent drop in a matter of a week, weeks, a <laughs> couple weeks, yeah. right? Um, they freak out. Mm-hmm. I'm down three four percent. Well, what was your expectation that it will only go up? And and why not look at other areas to put your money and diversify? We yeah, hear okay. that all the time. That that's where I wanted that uh, conversation to go, right? Because you can you can make an argument for all of those different markets and cash markets. There's a whole bunch of seventy different world asset classes. You can argue, um, but nobody knows. And this is the thing: nobody knows. So um, you've got a number of different approaches you can take. Right, you can have an investment thesis and bet all in, right? You can be aggressive or speculative, mm-hmm. right? You can be diversified, you can be conservative, you can do any of these things, right? You can invest in Canada, you can invest in outside of Canada. So um, it, you know, it goes back to what we've talked about in the past. When you're putting your thesis together, come up with your base case assumptions. And I think even before <clears throat> that, you have to know yourself as an investor and as an individual. Okay, good point. I think you need to sit down and really think about. What scares you right. and what motivates you? Right. And if losing money scares you, right. then why are you invested in something that loses money? I'll give you an example. We have a client who is a power of attorney mm-hmm. for his father. Right. Um, he, uh, his father is in his early 90s, yep. incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Um, his father was very active in the stock market in his younger life yep. and has kept a 100% stock portfolio in his early 90s and he's incapacitated. Now the son has to take over mm-hmm. and the son says, I have no idea what to do in the stock market, mm-hmm. but let's leave it. Oh. Yeah. So now the gyrations of the market freak him out. Mm-hmm. This is dad's money. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, then why are you in the stock market? Well, because dad wanted that way. But that was dad that understood and understood his own risk tolerance. The, he understood what gave him fear and what gave him motivation. Mm-hmm. And I think as individuals, we don't know that about ourselves until we're faced with it. Right. Right. And when you're faced with it, it might be too late. Right. But here's the thing. Um, you got to have context. If, if you're going to actually make that, and I think you're, you're, you're educating around exactly the right area, but you got to have context to what you're trying to accomplish. Right, so just talking about being invested in the stock market, you know, just ask yourself the question: Why? What am I trying to accomplish? What goal am I trying to achieve? Right. So, is it a right a return goal that you're after, and why? Right. So this is where that the planning stuff comes in. Right. You've got to have a context. I think you've got to have a context to what you're trying what you're trying to accomplish with the money, and there may be more than one. So goal. Let, let me jump in there because we know. The lion's share of Canadians do not have a financial plan. Correct. Do not have a plan that's specific, measurable, actionable, time-oriented, uh, right. and realistic. Right. I call that SMART, S-M-A-R-T. Right. And so when you don't have that, and you're still investing, or you're putting money away, what do you do then? Right. If you don't have a plan, 
if you don't know what the objective is, yep. the objective is just to get bigger. Yeah. That's that's the objective. What's your goals? Bigger. Yeah. Okay, so now you have that scenario, right. which is the lion's share of Canadians. Right. What do you do? Right. How do you handle this? Like yeah. how, do you, how do you know that the stock market, whichever market that may be around the world, or the bond market, or sitting in GICs, or cash, or... Or, do, or putting it underneath your mattress, what's the right one for you? Right. How do you know? Yeah. It's a bit like we're going to talk to you about traveling today. I think about traveling, and I've often thought about how exciting it would be just to go down to the airport and jump on a plane. Nobody yeah. does that, by the way. Oops, there are very few, yeah. But what happens if I ended up in a country that <laughs> is really bad? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the same thing. There's no destination. If I don't have a destination, you're just going to have to accept what you have when you get there, right? And that may not be the outcome that you want. So it's better to have some idea of what that destination is. I mean, we talk about retirement. Yeah. And so we always talk about start with lifestyle. That's a good analogy you're using with travel because you definitely want to make sure you've got the right plane. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the right good, airline. Right. The right destination. Right. So your vehicle to get you to your destination better yeah. be the right one. Right. Because you don't want to take too much risk because right. that's, that's life or death. Right. You want to make sure that you have a destination so you know what you're going, going to. Yeah. Or that the country you land in is not in civil war and you're at risk there. Right? And, and when you are going through that experience, you want to make sure that you, the experience that you want is yours, yeah. not someone else's that's been deemed upon you. Yeah, that's right. And that's the same thing when it comes to planning for your retirement. Right. Well, and, and, and context to investing, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not a stock and a bond conversation. It starts with a destination conversation. Yeah. And the destination and the analysis, the financial plan, all of those things, that's what gives context to what we should be doing, right? So we talk about education all the time. You should be educated about why you're taking on specific risks and what risks you're taking on, right? Yeah. And does it support the goal or, or not, right? That's the context of the conversation we keep, I, I think is so important to, to have. Yeah, and I think there's too many people doing just number crunching. Yeah. Uh, so a quantitative view of retirement right. and not a qualitative view of retirement. And so um, sit down with an advisor, sit down with your tax expert, you yep. know, and get and, and get all the right information. Um, and make and, the right decisions for and, the right And reasons. really do some soul searching. Figure yep. out what, what gives you fear and what motivates you right. when it comes to your money. Right. And then that will give you the direction of where you need to be. Not everybody has to be in the stock market. No, agreed. Agreed. Okay, we're going to talk about this. Let's not belabor it because we're going to, we're going to do a full one-hour educational session on this whole idea of how to plan for and bulletproof your retirement. Yeah, that'll be on Tuesday, June 4th, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400 or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. You want to make sure you pick the right destination for your next travel, uh, your next travel vacation? Then stick around after the break. We're going to talk to Randy Sharman about that. You're on 770 CHQ. QR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Uh, a big part of everybody's retirement, at least that we talk to, is travel. Yes, sir. Right, I, um, and it's 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 a fascinating topic to talk to couples about in terms of what they, you know, are they on the same page for travel? What kind of travel do you want to do? And there's such a wide universe of of experiences you can have traveling. Yeah, that it's fascinating when people say, yeah, yeah, we've thought about what we're going to do. We're going to go travel. Right. Yep. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Right. Do you remember our client said uh -huh. once, uh, the husband and wife sat down with us uh -huh. and said, we're going to travel in, re in retirement. Okay, where are you going to travel to? And uh, she said, Rodeo Drive. Yeah. And he said, I'm going backpack. I'm going camping for two weeks in the backcountry. I said, That's I said, you guys had talked about this, huh? <laughs> It's <laughs> a bit different. Anyways, nobody better to help us understand a little bit about the whole travel experience than Randy Sharman. He's the host and producer of the Informed Traveler radio show. 
right here on 770 CHQR. Randy, great to have you back on the show. Why, thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. Well, and we caught you in between, uh, you know, your extensive travel gigs that you do. Uh, we're envious every day of, of you, uh, your lifestyle. So thanks for taking some time with us. But Anytime, my Let's talk a little, a little bit about popular destinations. So, uh, you know, we've got lots of people retiring every year now, this baby boom generation. It seems mm-hmm. to be a dream of everybody to see more of the world or have different experiences. So um, give, us a, give us your take on sort of where the popular destinations are and the experiences people are looking at. Well, I'm going to resort to uh, the 2019 Virtuoso Lux report. It just came out. And, it's, and the reason why I'm going to use this is a very extensive report. They... Uh, poll 17,000 travel advisors over a thousand agencies throughout 50 countries okay so they have a, a way better uh, handle on it than I certainly do and, and don't let the word Lux uh, kind of throw you off I mean yeah they talk about luxury travel but yep. uh, when you get uh, you get a sort of a feel for uh, when you're talking about destinations no matter what your budget is people like to go to these destinations and they're the typical ones that uh, people think of uh, Europe is very popular Italy is very popular popular uh, mostly because of food. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. all love food. for that. Uh, and uh, you know, people still love the the traditional. If they want to get away for the sun, uh, you know, Mexico, the Caribbean, Hawaii are still uh, the mainstays there too. So, our our retirees, and I don't know if the, maybe the research addresses this, but perhaps just anecdotally, you can speak to it. Uh, are retirees traveling differently than they were traveling when they were 30 or 40, you know, raising kids? I think they are. And you know why? Because uh, what's the, uh, the the phrase, uh, 60 is the new 40? Yeah. People are way more active now, so they want to do more active things. Uh, again, going back to this uh, study from Virtuoso, people are, are looking for more adventure travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that's uh, really popped up uh, is multi-generational travel, right? Yeah. yeah. So you have the, the grandparents, the parents and the children they're all going and you know in some cases you can get a family uh, that can add up to more than 10 people so now you can get into group travel uh, where you can get some incentives maybe uh, some price breaks and those types of things so that's um, uh, it's an interesting I was going to ask you about the group travel I think I just think about myself again anecdotal very small sample size of one uh, but I think about how Faisal, I think about travel now and what I want to do. And mm-hmm. you and I talk about this a lot, and yep. you're kind of on the same page. For me, it's you know it used to be just get away to um, uh, you know an inclusive just to relax, right? But it's it's really very different than that, now, correct? Right? It's destination travel. I want to see something or a piece of history, yep. right? I want I want an experience, right? That could be anything from a sports uh, event, yeah. right? To um, to a river cruise or yeah. something like that. I, I think it's gone it's gone to now. To be more educational, experience, and entertainment. Yeah, or even right. um, what's what's Randy? Maybe you know the term. I can't remember what it is. When you're you're following your family history, right? We see mm-hmm. a big trend in that area. So, you know, I'm Irish, and I know there's a big you know there's lots of people that are traveling to Ireland to sort of trace their yep. family history. So, I, I think it's changed. Again, my sample size of one says what I think about today for travel is way different than what I what I thought about before. But I couldn't tell you if it's just because of my age. 
or it's because there's you know something hap- happening in the travel industry that is creating these different experiences for us. Well, getting back to the uh, generational travel, I just saw an interesting article about skip gen family vacations. And this is where a generation uh, skips out and guess who they would be? The parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they're very busy. You know, they're working, don't have the time, sometimes don't have the budget. But the grandparents have the time and the budget and the kids have the time off. So uh, this is sort of a a rising trend where uh, the grandparents take the kids, but it does have uh, some of its sort of uh, uh, you know, you got to be aware of you know how well the kids get along with the grandparents. And remember, when you're in a foreign country with uh, without the parents, it can be a bit challenging. So there's a few things to look out there, but it's an interesting trend. Randy, I wanted to kind of just touch on you know we we talk about families, we talk about couples traveling. Mm-hmm. There are more and more single retirees out mm-hmm. there. What are some of the destinations, and what things should people be aware of if they want to be a solo traveler? Uh, now, if you just there are more and more companies, tour operators now that are getting rid of the single supplement because they realize this is a growing market. So it used to be you know if you wanted to go on a cruise, you're paying a simple a single supplement uh, to pay for that cabin, right? Yep. You're paying for two people even though you're by yourself so you're seeing that uh, trend uh, grow more and more now where they drop the single supplements so you're not uh, paying that extra charge and the and destinations are opening up it's the same same people are still interested in going the same destinations but sometimes they get uh, drawn back because hey i'm by myself you know and even if you don't want to travel by yourself there's companies uh, tour operators that uh, specialize in solo travel where uh, you can still be by yourself but not necessarily you're part of a group uh, tour so you're not necessarily alone you know what I mean there you go I think that yeah again uh, this is just me sort of watching it, well as I as I move through this thinking about it it's just there's there's a ton of options right I mean I think the travel industry has done a pretty good job and continues to evolve yep. with the the uh, evolving needs particularly of the, the you know this, this the grandparents right the baby boom generation right mm-hmm. the right. Like you said, Randy, they've got the budget, and they're interested in experience, not just getting away. They've got the time and the budget, so I can I want to go learn something, right? Yep. Experience something, not just say I was in Rome, but I want to experience Rome somehow, mm-hmm. right? Correct. Culinary tours or cooking classes or cycling in France. We hear our clients doing those yep. things all the time, right? So I think it's pretty cool the, the amount of um, flexibility or, or, or the range of experience that you can have. What are some of the tips or tricks, uh, things that you would – sort of leave with our listeners uh, when they're planning for some kind of uh, experience? Uh, well, the biggest tip or trick, I wouldn't even call it a trick, is to make sure you have the proper um, insurance, travel insurance. Um, we sometimes get caught up in our not-so-free health care in our country, thinking that if you go outside the country, we're covered. We're not. Uh, so make sure you get a, uh, your, if you're using a travel agent or travel advisor, make sure you ask about that. Uh, there's different types of plans. There's, uh, you know, the health care costs or the health care uh, travel insurance. And, you know, as you get uh, older, we all have our aches and pains. Mm-hmm. And there are the uh, pre-existing conditions you got to watch out for. So ask lots of questions. Make sure you're covered because you never know uh, when the unforeseen can happen, right? 
Is there any particular destination that's uh, that sort of sticks out to you uh, that you're talking a lot about, or top three, or something like that? Like if people and that are different, right? Places people maybe haven't seen before that should be on their radar. Yeah, interesting. Again, going back to this virtuoso, and because my travel show is right on the money with things, uh, <laughs> Croatia was uh, number two on the top ten list, and I oh. just chatted with a, a, a cruise company that does uh, cruises uh, on small yachts around the uh, islands of Croatia. So that's an emerging destination. Japan is another one. We talked about Japan on my show uh, a few weeks ago. Not to blow my own horn here, guys, but... Hey, man, your horn's <laughs> worth blowing, Randy. Let's do it. <laughs> and Iceland is another one that's uh, another emerging uh, destination. So there's a, a few ideas. Portugal's another one where you get more of a long stay, yeah. where you can stay for a month uh, very inexpensively, yeah. certainly for a lot cheaper than you can here. So uh, some ideas there for you. Yeah, Portugal. I've got a, a Portuguese friend, and uh, Faisal, you know who I'm referring to. And, yep. Um, he was there recently and just, I mean, he's Portuguese, so he's got some family connection there. But he said it was such good value. Mm-hmm. Right, so I said, well, because we've traveled together with him and his family before. I said, the next trip's on you. You're gonna have to take <laughs> us to Portugal and show us around Portugal. <laughs> so when, when he told me about that, when you said that to him, I said, yeah, just buy a one-way plane ticket for Dave, and this way he doesn't have to come back. <laughs> Randy, we're gonna have to wrap it up there. I want to thank you for your input. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you. All right, we've been joined by Randy Sharman. He's the host and the producer of the Informed Traveler Show on 770 CHQR, and is a great show. And I encourage you to. Tune in and listen. Okay, um, how do we how do we bulletproof our retirement and make sure we've got the funds uh, and the lifestyle, if that includes travel, set aside, locked in, and ready to go? Yeah, how do you set aside the funds so you can have fun? Yeah, well, it's going to be on Tuesday, June fourth, seven p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats, though. Give us a call nine six six eighty four hundred. That's nine six six eight four zero zero, or go on our web, go on your web li- website <laughs> to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right. Are you or your spouse helping care for your parents? There's a lot of people in this position. You're not alone. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, let me describe the scenario for you. Okay. Okay. You're working. Okay. Still have uh, a kid or kids at home. Okay. Got a parent who's aging and needs help. Check, check, check. It's coming. Wow. That's a full plate. That's a sandwich. Yeah, yeah that's a sandwich. Um, it's a reality for a lot of people, though, right? So this, yeah. this notion of, of elder care, our healthcare system's ability to, uh, to deal with this aging demographic, uh, all the guilt and emotions we feel around helping, taking care of family, all of those things create a really complicated uh, scenario. We've got Liz O'Donnell uh, joining us today. She's the founder of WorkingDaughter.com. She's also the author of Working Daughter, a guide to caring for your aging parents while earning a living. Now, they, uh, I think the, uh, the facts would bear out the case that it is often um, the women who are contributing more in this particular case than the men are. So having a larger or a disproportionate uh, impact on them at this particular time. However, uh, that's a general statement. Liz, I want to welcome you to the show. And maybe let's start with this scenario that I, I laid out at the top of the, uh, the, top of the segment. Uh, how accurate am I? How many people are suffering from this? And then we'll get to what the heck are we going to do about it? Yo, you're so accurate. I've been there. Um, there are about 44 million caregiver, family caregivers. Mm-hmm. The number's only going to grow because um, the AARP is predicting a shortage of paid caregivers. And, of course, we see 10,000 people turning 65 every day with the aging of the baby boomers. 
so more and more family members are going to be called on to support our aging population. And as far as how many are in the scenario that you just uh, described, I'd say close to 30 million who are working outside the home and the average caregiver is indeed um, a woman and she has a parent over the age of 65. She has a child, at least one child under the age of 18 and she does work. So just for our, our listeners, 30 million from the United States, that's where we're getting all of our, our data from. If you were to kind of put a, a similar type of percentage yeah. in, uh, in Canada, it's about 10%. Yeah, so call it 3 million, right? It's a big number. It's a, and we all know people, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, my brother and I would, uh, I would put ourselves in that category. In fact, I put my brother more in that category than me, mm-hmm. um, closer with my mom. My mom has Alzheimer's, uh, Liz, and is in a, uh, a long-term care facility. So I understand personally sort of the, the effect of what this can do. Uh, on both men and women, but disproportionately, we know that women are struggling uh, with the weight of this more than more than the guys are. So, tell us a little bit about the issues that that um, you know caring for an elder, uh, aside from the obvious. Like what what's the experience somebody is going to have if you run into this uh, scenario? Yeah, and I'd be remiss first if I didn't say that the statistics in the U.S. are that of those 44 million, 40% are men. So it's not a huge gap, but it's certainly majority women. And I think I saw similar statistics for Canada. Um, So we do need to acknowledge the men. I tend to focus on women because I think they have a unique scenario that they're facing to answer your question, which is um, most likely their elder care experience is going to be compounded by their child care. Maybe they already took time off of work. Maybe they're not um, earning what uh, a male might be earning because they took time off at work or for whatever reasons that is. Um, You know, they might have been put on the mom track. So they've got this unique experience and they've got this pressure to stay at work because as I said, the average caregiver is in her late 40s. That's not a great time to step out of work. The prospects mm-hmm. for coming back to work, you know, at, at the age of 50 as a woman, sadly, just aren't good. So what she's facing, she's facing this incredible pull between her children, uh, you know, the family that you chose to have, that you made space to have. Um, so your life is a little bit set up to manage, you know, your your immediate family. She's facing pressure at work. She might think that she's the only one who's going through this. She's actually not, but it's invisible. Uh, We don't talk a lot about elder care at work. We talk about caring for people who are parents versus caring for people who have parents. And then um, she feels so much guilt over not doing enough for the elder parent, but that misplaced guilt because there just aren't enough structures to support her. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious. I have no idea if there's data that supports this. and so if that is your answer, uh, that's acceptable. But, I, you know, I, I think about the conversation uh, my brother and I had recently. Um, and my mom's dementia or Alzheimer's is progressing, obviously. Um, and as it progresses, of course, you face, you face different things. And so my brother is in a situation now where he is caring for my, my mother in a way that, you know, um, is, is obviously more than what you would expect um, a child-parent relationship to be. And it has an impact on him. Emotionally, it has an impact sure. on him. And we talk about this. And, and um, I guess we're in a fortunate position here. I'm getting to my question, Liz. But we're in a fortunate position that my mom and dad um, saved enough. They, they did okay. Um, and so there is money to support my mom and her care. But I said to my brother, I said, you know, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, the, I don't want your experience uh, with mom as she ages to be what you're experiencing right now. We need to bring in some help to the extent that I, I said, I'm I'm happy if we spend her entire estate 
making sure she gets proper care, but that you aren't put in a position where emotionally, you know, you're faced with that. Now, there's all kinds of emotional challenges and guilt and so, uh, attached to that. But I'm curious if you know, Liz, if that, um, you know, if the, is that part of the solution? If money's available, does it get used in that way? Or are there other complicating factors, particularly with, uh, with women, that put them in a position where they take on that care, invest the time and the emotional anguish that they have versus perhaps bringing in help? The scenario I see um, a lot, most of the time, is that there isn't the money for outside okay. care because it is so, so expensive. But the conversation you're having with your brother rings true. I hear this from so many people, and I've been through, I was a dementia caregiver as well. It's, it's a whole different level of yep. care because it is so emotional for you and obviously the person with the dementia. But I, I hear that conversation a lot. Like, look, I'm not looking for inheritance. I would just spend every dime to take care of mom and dad and to take care of myself, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think it's great that you and your brother Mike are talking about, and this comes up all the time too, is when you become caregiver to your parents, especially when there's such an emotional angle to it, how do you have the time to be their child? And you, yeah. you want to continue to be their adult child, not just be the person who's scheduling appointments and checking meds and, yep. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and you can see the, uh, I see the anger. We talk openly about it, uh, which is really good, because I think there would be a lot of people maybe that keep that inside, and that's a destructive, uh, that would be a destructive behavior. But it's, uh, I was going to say it's an interesting journey. Uh, I'm not sure maybe interesting describes it properly because it, there's a whole bunch of complexities, emotional, financial, everything else wrapped up in it. Faisal, you yeah, we've got a, we've got a couple minutes left, Liz. Um, just there are people that are listening to this show right now um, will have to make the decision to take care of their parents or parent, mm-hmm. um, and they have to have a conversation with their employer, um, and then they have to figure out. Um, you know, what do they have to do? What's their real roles and responsibilities as, as their parent ages and goes through these types of issues? So Liz, maybe you can give us some ideas or some tips on what, A, what can we, what, how, what kind of conversation, how do we handle the conversation with our employer? And number two, um, you know, what in the situation, uh, give us some tips on how, how they can handle it. I think you said the most important thing already. You said there are people who are going to make the decision and that is key. There's research that shows people who feel like they've chosen caregiving as opposed to, you know, forced into caregiving or backed into a corner, whatever it might be, tend to go through the experience in a much more healthy way. So I think that's the number one thing, acceptance and saying, I choose this. It's going to be hard, but this is what I'm going to do. From the employer perspective, what I counsel people is to read the environment. Ideally, you're going to talk to your employer and say, look, I have this going on at home. How can we make sure that I'm always backed up so that I never leave work, clients, whoever, you know, coworkers in a lurch? So, you know, can we have a CC on every email I sent to a client? I'm going to continue. I'm going to make sure I save things not just to my hard drive, but to the server, that sort of thing. Um, you know, understand that in the middle of this meeting, I have my phone out for a reason because the nursing home might call. I'll step out. I'll be discreet. But, you know, I will have to take this call. I think if we're in a situation where we can say all those things, then we're so much better off. But sometimes there is a stigma attached to flexibility and caregiving. So I wouldn't say that that's a blanket advice for everybody. Read the scenario and, and, and you know, do your best to determine what the feedback is going to be. 
Yeah, I think I think that's um, that's good advice. It's a complicated situation. We can't do it justice in ten minutes. But uh, Liz, I want to thank you for joining us and raising awareness. We have to continue to have this conversation because there are just so many families that are currently impacted by this and will continue to be impacted. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. We're joined by Liz O'Donnell. She's the founder of WorkingDaughter.com and author of Working Daughter, A Guide to Caring for Aging Parents While Earning a Living. Now, we're going to be talking about the journey of retirement. In, in many cases, many families are touched by the health care bucket. And how do we provide, protect, ensure a quality of care, quality of lifestyle all through that journey? That's right. I'll be on Tuesday, June 4th, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. What's the right age to retire? Stick around. We're going to talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on C, uh, 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, uh, good show today. I want to talk a little bit about um, a chat room question that was asked yep. that I think is really cool probably more complex than people think about. Here's the question. What's the right age to retire? Dun, dun, dun. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. It's an I inter- work with you, David. It's tomorrow. <laughs> it's always tomorrow. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, listen, I think it's a cool question because it sounds like a simple question. And it was, it was meant to be a simple question. It's not it, a simple answer. You're, you're on these Facebook groups, yeah. and there are a whole bunch of retirees from North America chatting with each other, sharing insight. Um, sharing their experiences, and the question pops up and says, uh, what's the right age to retire? And the responses, now, 65, as soon as you can, talk to your advisor, <laughs> like, you know, when your wife lets you. Like, these are all the different answers that came out from that question. I remember, yeah. And so I, that's why I wanted to have this chat with you today, because we get that in our practice. Right. You know, when, when, when can I retire? When, when's the right time? And they come from a financial angle when they speak to you initially. Right. Um, but it's more than money. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right? right. So, so how would you have answered that? You're on, you're on the Facebook. This is a, it's a tool called Facebook, Dave. And when you're on it. What's I know, that? I know. Exactly. You're learning. You're learning. <laughs> right? you, t- you flip over on your phone. <laughs> and then when you get to there, to, the, the, uh, to Facebook, there's a group. And the question comes out, how would you respond? To when should you retire? Yeah. What can I? I don't know what I'd say to that, right? Because how many people are in this chat group? Thousands of people. Correct. Every one of their situations is different. Correct. I'd say when you're ready. Okay, so that's a great answer. Now, how do we determine when you're ready? Yeah. Okay. Now that that's so, this is the complexity. So right? there was one one individual out of Massachusetts who said, "Yeah, when you're ready." But here are some of the things you need to consider. First, do a financial check. Right. Make sure you have enough money in a conservative fashion to live for the rest of your life. So you can live off of that. Mm-hmm. Then the second point that I mentioned was make sure you've, you've really focused on the things you're going to do. So you know what you're transitioning to. And the third one was go get your health checked out. Yeah. So that is not the order that I would put those things in. Okay. Personally. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. It would be what are you retiring to? In fact, it would be before that. It's what's your definition of retirement? There we go. I like that one. Okay. I like because, that. Because uh, I think we skip too, too fast into the, into the conclusion that retirement means you can't work anymore. Right? I don't think... It, at my, I'm 51, um, so I'm not, I'm not retiring anytime soon. Uh, but if you ask me today, my number one 
like work will always be part of what I do because I'm intellectually engaged. I like the people that I work with most of the time, Faisal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I certainly love the client engagements, right, and the stories and working and helping people. Yeah. So I'm not sure that for me, certainly at this age, <laughs> it, uh, retirement would be defined as not working. Okay. Okay. So that's I, I would put when you're ready, right? But but the work is the work for me is around what is it that I want to be doing. So I would be taking a close look at the things in my life that are creating a stress or discomfort or dissatisfaction, and mm -hmm. I would be I would be trying to isolate what those things are and see if there's a way to minimize that and maximize doing the things that I enjoy doing. Yeah, because we we've come across many people who said to us, Dave, I'm done. Right. I'm just exhausted. Right. I don't enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I'm out. Right. Now make it work for me. Right. And you still ask that question. Okay, so what are you retiring to? Right. Uh, anything but where I was <laughs> is yeah. the answer. Yeah. So right? we, we've got a client. I refer to this often uh, with his permission. Is If I use the word retirement with him, and he has within the last year uh, left a, a position that he had been in for a very long time. Okay, yep. so most people would say you're retired. I, I made the mistake of using the word retired with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, no. He said, you can't use that word with me. This is just life 3.0, right? So he started his career in one area, he moved into another, and did re was super successful at it. He's now since left that, still a, a young man. Now it's what's next. It's the, what's next on the journey. What's he calls three, it life 3.0. 3.0, yeah. right? And there might be a four and there might be a five. Who knows, right? But what he said is the for him, there's a negative connotation of the word retirement. I'm... I'm a young guy. I've got lots to contribute and offer. Now I just want to, you know, he's got, trust me, he's probably busier now than he was when he was, uh, he was the senior guy at that, uh, the company he was with. Yeah. But it's because he's thought about what he's moving to, right? Correct. And so I think that when we ask that question, uh, what's the right age to retire? I don't think it has anything to do with age. I think it has everything to do with what you want to be doing when you can be doing it. Financial freedom is a part of it. Okay, the math is important, but it's, it should start well before that, in my opinion. You you have to figure out what that means. Yeah, and I think that's we have seen many many multimillionaires mm -hmm. walk away from their careers, mm -hmm. from their businesses, mm -hmm. go into the world of quote unquote retirement, mm -hmm. and are depressed. Mm -hmm. We have seen multimillionaires leave their careers by choice mm -hmm. to fulfill other things in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it comes back now to happiness. But, but we've also seen people, multimillionaire or not, leave because of age. Because they think, uh, it's just, it's, 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 time. it's the time. It's the right age. Yeah. What, what, what age is that? Why? So we have seen that. And I think that's partly because there's been a, a notion on, and if you think about it, we had this, um, you know, Freedom 55. Then it became, you know, at 65, you get your Canadian pension plan and your old age. They don't even thought, talk about it. They don't call it seniors benefit. They call it old age security mm -hmm. at 65. And if you're lucky, you can push it to 70. That's when you should get really old age security. <laughs> right? That's what our society has pushed on people. Uh, that's fair. It's a good point. And so you're not old if you're 65. You're yeah. not old if you're 70. You're old when you choose to be old. Yeah. And so when it comes down to it, it has to be with regards to happiness, yeah. fulfillment, right. engagement. Right. And if you can't do that, why? Why walk away from something? Well, yeah. Right? But, like, yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. I think we're, we're saying the, the same thing, and it's, um, uh, you know, the, 
it seems obvious. When we talk about this stuff, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, the listeners, you know, they're going, this is obvious stuff. But it's not obvious because we see it. We see it every single day. Yeah. Right? And um, I'm not suggesting you have to have a minute-by-minute schedule of what you're going to be moving to. But, but we've made this comment on the show over the years plenty of times. Everybody that we ever talk to knows what they're retiring from. But very few have a clear idea of what they're retiring to. And that's why we name this show More Than Money. Right. Because it goes beyond the cash. Right. Right. And yes, if you know what you're retiring to, you need to do a financial analysis. Yes. If you don't know, but you want to walk away, which is okay, mm-hmm. you need to do a financial analysis. I did a, um, a maybe slight twist on what we're talking about. It was, I met with um, actually a couple of different clients this week, and it was in the legacy bucket. Okay. Okay. So the legacy bucket is where we talk about um, what happens to the assets at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Both mom, dad are gone. What's the gift that you're going to leave to who and how are they going to receive it? Yep. Right. And it's an interesting discovery process when I sit with people like that because it's a narrative. Tell me about your family. Right. Tell me about. This is a gift. Whatever is left at the end of the day, let's look at the financial plan. This, you know, we think there's going to be this much X dollars at the end left when, at the end of the you're day. Pushing daisies up. That's how much. Money right. Left. Yep. Um, how do you want your kids to receive this? Are there charities? Are there nieces and nephews? And uh, it, that right there, that question. Um, um, I don't know. I just want to split it fifty-fifty. Why? Because uh, I'm supposed to. Okay. Well, that might be okay. Because that that's might. fair. It's fair. That might be right. Yeah. And are you just going to jump, just put a big bag of money on the, you know, on their table at 25 years old if something were to happen to you right now? And what would they do with that? Right. So I think about the the questions we we ask. If you go below the surface, right? At what age do I retire? How do I want the gift? Re, you know, how do you want the assets split up? That's a different question than. What's the gift that you want to leave behind? And when you talk about some of the clients that I met with this week, we were talking about health. What kind of quality of care? It's not just, I want long-term care. Right. What kind of quality of care do you want? Right. And that has a financial impact, but it also has an emotional impact. Right. Those who've seen their parents go through a long-term care facility that didn't have what they deem to be the right type of service or yeah. care for their parent, yeah. they're going to have a different view than someone who's never had a parent in a long-term care facility and doesn't really think about it. Right. Right. So this is where the, the why needs to be answered. When do you, you I want to retire. Why? I, I want to pass money on to my kids. Why? I want a long-term care facility that has a certain type of service. Why? Yeah. And, and, and although that can be very, um, you can put your guard up when you're asked why. Right. right. To answer openly and freely. But ask that of yourself. Yep. Right? Okay. Well, let's continue this conversation um, at our seminar. We do this every single month. We're going to educate you about all the right questions to ask. Yeah. How to profit and protect. How to bulletproof your retirement so you can enjoy it. On Tuesday, June 4th, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We'll see you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.
David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.